0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised.
2: buddy and welcome to fruit loops season 3 episode 26 we're still here yeah. thank you so much for listening um fruit loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that we do not hear or know much about contrary to popular belief not all serial killers are straight white dudes no what? there are <laughs> yes ma'am it is true there are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color and fruit loops is a podcast all about them we will take deep dives in the the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because the news is racist, allegedly.
1: (laughs) And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy. I'm Beth. We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to Fruit Pod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602 935 6294 and we may feature it on a future episode. Also, our website is fruitloopspod.com and we use Fruit Loops Pod for all of our social media. Join the discussion by using the hashtag Fruit Loops Pod Discussion or by joining our Facebook group. All of the footnotes for each episode can be found on our website.
2: Uh, Yes, everything Beth said is true. And if you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash App, just uh, Google Fruit Loops Pod Cash App, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. We also have some merch for sale on our website. But if you can't help monetarily, no problem, man. You can always give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And the most important thing, is that you share our
1: show with your friends so beth who are we talking about today today we're talking about anthony kirkland have a seat costco (laughs) 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 This mr kirkland is a black american serial killer who was convicted of killing five women
2: all right well before we get into the shits
1: uh how you doing? I'm okay. I don't have a whole lot to report. I did not watch the Super Bowl, so I'm out of that <laughs> culture of yeah. loop. <laughs> yeah. not, not even one one minute of it. Nope. I've oh, never really gotten oh into football or or much sports at all. To be honest, mm. I, I mm. do like baseball. But I oh. don't follow it too closely. It's just fun to go to the games, but uh-huh. uh, football makes my eyes cross.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I, I am not a fan. Uh, I I don't I don't like sports, but sports have been forced down my throat. My dad. Was a big right. football guy. He played college football. He played, he was a semi-pro. He coached college football. He co- he coached in my fucking high school, which that oh, wow. was great. Um yeah. but uh <laughs> and my bro- my brothers played, and I was head cheerleader during football season, so I was the boss. Um and uh so I I guess I kinda understand football and the nostalgia of it. So uh I don't know if I could miss a Super Bowl. I have not watched any NFL games this season because the NFL is fucking racist trash. Right. Um, But the Super Bowl was hard to turn away from, especially since Jay-Z and Beyonce were behind a lot of it. And there were Latinx performers at at, at halftime. So um, me, my family, uh, we had a vegan Super Bowl menu. Um, I made cashew vegan queso dip, which was a big hit. And I also made... um, cauliflower hot wings oh wow and those were a big hit um wow. and it was bien sabroso um <laughs> so <laughs> uh and the halftime show was really all i all i cared about and i stand so hard for all the body rolls the sagrutas the reggaeton the champetas the big hair and the bodysuit. shakira i love you jayla was nice too um and i used to tutor spanish and for my students that I was tutoring, I would teach them Shakira songs to help with their oral pronunciation and stuff like that. Anyway, oh, wow. side note. Um, but it was really nice how Latinx culture was showcased during the show. And um, I don't know. Well, you didn't watch, but uh, J-Lo <laughs> J-Lo had a bunch of like she had her daughter come on and then she had a bunch of kids in a choir in the background. And then amongst them were kids in cages Hmm. What is what does that tell you about? Yeah, guys? yeah. So that was a message. I thought that was pretty dope. Um, and my only criticism is that there is so much African influence in Latinx culture, and it was just unfortunate that it was not presented by Afro Latinx people, um, like Shakira sang a, a Cardi B song, and. Cardi B was at the Super Bowl, but Cardi B has put her foot down and said, "I am not doing any Super Bowl nothing until Colin Kaepernick gets his fucking job back." Um, right. So it was just it was it that that part was a, a little bit of a letdown. But look. Rome wasn't built in a day, guys, and Jay Z, Rock, Nason, and Beyonce can't save us all in one day
1: either. But it is a step in the right direction, and yeah. I am here for it. So, yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. I'll have to yeah. uh, watch some videos or something. Yeah, just go to YouTube. Save your save your time. Yeah, yeah don't have to watch uh, the football game.
2: Don't, don't No, the game was <laughs> completely uninteresting to me. Uh, so now we are going to get into some listener letters. Hello, Angels. Hello.
1: Thank you. Oh, what do you have for us there? Beth, what did they give you? I have a recommendation from Teresa. She recommended Ooh. us on Facebook. And she said, just Ooh. discovered these amazing podcasters this afternoon. Love them. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was really cool that she just discovered us and she she gave us a recommend. So that was pretty neat. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Teresa.
2: Yes, you ma'am. Air horns
1: to you. Yeah. That's right. What do you got? Uh,
2: well, from Brinny 87 on iTunes Review. Finally, true crime with flavor. Yes. <laughs> si, senora. Hello. I am a Black woman who has loved true crime since I was a teenager. I'm in my 30s now, but they always talked about the same white male serial killers. I agree and always wondered about serial killers of color because they exist. And the news, which is racist, allegedly, <laughs> never and barely reports on it. Uh, as a woman of color, I appreciate a podcast reporting and, and informing us and love that, that hip hop air horn. So thanks, <laughs> Wendy and Beth. No, thank you, Brittany. Woo, woo. Yeah,
1: thank you.
2: Thank <laughs> you. And then lastly, I just wanted to shout out all our patrons and Patreons. We haven't named you by name recently. um, There's swag coming. uh, As soon as Wendy gets her shit together, you'll get your swag. (laughs) Uh, But thanks so much for rocking with us. And you guys get hip hop air horns, too.
1: Yeah, and I wanted to mention that um, I forgot to draw for our patrons last month. Uh, We're giving away swag every month, and I forgot to draw. So we're going to have two drawings this month.
2: Whoa, look at February, the gift that keeps on giving. (laughs) Oh, me, oh, my. Well, now -hmm. we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to dive into the story when we come back.
1: Affirmative murder. The Equal Opportunity Murder Podcast Dedicated to shining a light On the darker side of true
0: crime
1: Hosted by Alvin Williams and Francis Evans These two young Yo I'm in the middle of recording promo for the podcast Do you need to eat chips right now? Yeah man, I'm not bothering you, I'm hungry You are bothering me I'm not bothering you Oh my god, you make me so angry Um. Anyway, uh, make sure you check out Affirmative Murder On
0: Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts today. Hey, man, let me get a chip. No.
2: So, we are back. So, Beth, who are we talking about again today?
1: Today, we're talking about Anthony Kirkland, a Black American serial killer from Cincinnati, Ohio, who was convicted of killing five women. All
2: right. Well, now we're going to get into some stats. (laughs) so anthony kirkland uh not related to costco Mm -mm. is a black african-american man he was born on september 13th 1968 he is a virgo and according to the chinese zodiac he is a monkey take that and do what you want uh he has been (laughs) convicted of murder and got the death penalty he has five murder victims he also uh, has several sexual assault victims including rape victims an incident uh, of some indecent exposure victims and burglary as well i believe so we're gonna speak the murder victims names uh because they matter rest in power leola douglas was 27 she was killed on may 20th in 87 cassonia crawford was 14 y'all and she was murdered may 14th, 2000 or may 4th 2006 mary Jo newton was 45 murdered on june 14th 2006 kimia rollison was 25 murdered December 2006 and Esme Kenny was, oh, poor baby was, uh oh hang on I have to tell my husband to turn off his bluetooth <laughs> <laughs> ah, <Jesus> Christ <laughs> Sorry,
1: sorry That's hilarious
2: <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. Oh boy, husband Please turn off, you don't have to edit this out, turn off (laughs) your blue tooth so I could do my show. Jesus Christ. I can't (laughs) get any work done around this place.
1: (laughs) If it's not the kids, it's the husband, right?
2: uh, Yeah, yes, it's always, it is always something. Oh my God. You are so lucky that you are an empty (laughs) nester. (laughs) All right. All right. uh, So uh, back to those victims names. I stopped at uh, Esme. Esme. okay. Uh, Esme Kenny and Esme was 13 years old. Murdered March 7th, 2009. Um, Kirkland's crimes took place from 1987 to 2009. And there's a big gap in between. And that can be attributed because he was in the joint for 16 years. Um again, he's from Ohio, the Cincinnati area ha- Hamilton county, his mo was sexual assault, and um he would burn his victims uh, after yeah. murdering them, which is uh something I don't think we've come across.
1: no, yet. I don't recall that yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, and currently uh, he pleaded, so in 1987 he pleaded guilty to manslaughter, and then he was sentenced to 25 years in prison, he served 16, and then he was released in 2003, and cut to one, two, six, kill a bunch of people, and then he was sentenced to death on March 31st, 2010. So now we're going to dive into the setting. Here we go. Um, so I don't know shit about the Midwest, but in my <laughs> mind, Cincinnati is like, capital of the entire Midwest I don't know if that's true get at me if I'm wrong um but this story takes place in Hamilton County Ohio in the Cincinnati area from the late 80s to the late 2000s so you know you remember the Drew Carey show Cleveland yeah. rocks Cleveland rocks. <laughs> I love that show and then um LeBron James he was still playing for the Cavaliers uh in the you know 2000s uh before right. he made quote unquote decision where we all wasted two hours watching him on ESPN just (laughs) talking about whether or not he was going to stay in Cleveland or go to Miami. Uh, Anyway, so that's all I know about Cleveland. (laughs) Hey, next.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hamilton County has a population of 800,000. It's the third largest county in Ohio. The county is named after Alexander Hamilton.
2: Alexander Hamilton, Hamilton had a torrid affair. Oh man, I was on the treadmill today listening to I wanna be in the room where it happens, the room, the room where, where it happens, the room where it happens. Where it happens.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it's so
2: appropriate for the time that we're yeah, in right now. It really is. Uh, it really is. Yeah. So,
1: okay. So, ahead, anyway, cut. as of 2000, per the census, per the census, but before
2: we get into the census, I just wanted to let people know that the census, it's 2020. And if you are in the United States, the census is a really, really big deal. So to my immigrant brothers and sisters out there who might be nervous about the citizenship question, it's not on the census this year. Please participate in the census. Your representation, your children's schools will all be better for it.
1: Okay, Continue. (laughs) All right. The racial makeup of the county was 69.2% white, 26% black or African American, 0.1% Native American, 2.3% Asian, 0.01% Pacific Islander, 0.51% from other races, and 2.2% from two or more races. And 2.8% of the population were Hispanic or Latino of any race.
2: Um, those numbers kind of lead me to believe we've talked about the Great Migration, but I'm, I'm I'm just thinking that that is a lot of black people in one spot. Mm-hmm. So perhaps this area was a spot on the Great Migration.
1: I think it was. Yeah, I think
2: it was. So now we're going to get into uh, Kirkland's early life. Kirkland, the
1: Kirkland killer. Yes. The Costco Kirkland killer. <laughs> I just gave him no (laughs) So we don't know much about Anthony Kirkland's early life, but he has been quoted as saying that his mom hated him and that all the grown ups around him thought he was bad. Kirkland was physically abused by his alcoholic father from the ages of six to fourteen, and as the oldest of four children, he quote, bore the brunt of his father's temperamental outbursts, unquote.
2: So according to some sources, Kirkland was forced to watch his father beat and rape his mother. Uh, His father left when Kirkland was nine, but Kirkland seemingly never recovered from his father leaving the family. He was a loner. He abused alcohol and he abused drugs. And then later in high school, he got mixed up in, quote unquote, the wrong crowd.
1: During his trial, experts allege that Kirkland suffered multiple traumatic head injuries in his life. Some of the injuries were as a result of being beaten as a child. He was also in an industrial accident at age 17, resulting in memory loss. And then in October of 2004, at age 36, Kirkland was in a bike accident where he fell and suffered broken facial bones, resulting in headaches.
2: Not good. So Kirkland... Kirkland's girlfriend reported that Kirkland became a completely different person after that. Before that, he was very involved in the church. He had a job. And afterward, he lost his job. He was asked not to return to the church. He became homeless and started living out of a van down by the river. Just kidding. It wasn't by the river. In 2006, there was another brain injury, this time from a car crash. So now we're going to dive into the timeline and talk about the crimes, the notable ones.
1: On May 20th, 1987, 18-year-old Anthony Kirkland made advances on 27-year-old Leola Douglas. Most media sources referred to Leola as his girlfriend, but at least one source said that she was actually the girlfriend of a relative, not his girlfriend, which Mm -hmm. uh, makes a lot more sense to me given what happened.
2: In any case, he made sexual advances to her, and she rejected them. He lost it and began choking and beating Leola. He raped her and then doused her in lighter fluid before setting her on fire, while she was still alive.
1: Mm. Yeah. Leola was found on the steps in front of the home Kirkland was staying at with relatives. He also spread gasoline around the house and set the house on fire before he fled. A relative was trapped in the fire but was rescued by firefighters
2: my god
1: yeah that's a crazy uh, crazy ass scene that's insane yeah
2: like you can you, i mean i feel like there should be a movie about this guy already because yeah. of how how he amped things up so yeah. quickly yeah uh so Leola's brother Stuart stanton has said by the time that i got there everyone had gone and i called my mother at the morgue and i just heard screams i ended up just picking them up At the morgue, and my mother said the only way they identified her was by the uniform that she had on.
1: That's really sad. Yeah. Kirkland confessed to the 1987 crime shortly after his arrest. His lawyer at the time said that Kirkland and Douglas argued after she threatened to expose an affair Kirkland was having with a married woman, which I think is bullshit. Yeah. Kirkland was charged with murder and arson, but he was convicted only of voluntary manslaughter. It's
2: kind of interesting that um, the book wasn't thrown at him after all of this.
1: I think they must they must not have had enough evidence and uh, maybe there was a a plea bargain. That's that's the only Mm -hmm. thing I can think of.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, nonetheless, he was sentenced to seven to twenty five years following his conviction. He served 16 of those years in prison. Had he served his entire sentence, Kirkland would have been released in 2012. Uh, As it was, he was released
1: in September 2003. After being freed, Kirkland met a woman by the name of Roberta Baldwin in church. They became a couple and had a son. He supported the family with jobs at a West End pickle company, a Finneytown car wash, and as a knife salesman.
2: I don't know if that's a good profession for a person
1: like this. For a serial killer?
2: (laughs) No, I don't (laughs) think so. Kirkland. Well, I mean, if it was a Kirkland knife, Kirkland. Everything Kirkland sells is great.
1: So if you have a dude,
2: yeah, a dude come in your house. His last name is Kirkland. He's seven selling you a Kirkland item. You're like, I gotta buy this. It's uh, I I don't know what the word is. The marketing word is, but you you just hypnotized. Yeah, I gotta get it. It's like that time uh, a Dyson salesman came to my house. And he was like, you can get a free food processor if you let us go through this whole process of trying to sell you this vacuum. And I was like, come on in. I need a food processor. <laughs> did you buy the vacuum? Did not, because it was $1,600, and that's very well, good. unreasonable. Good you. <laughs> did you, did uh, you get the uh, food processor, though? I sure as shit
1: did. All oh, right, right on.
2: <laughs> so anyway, anyway, Tangent, Kirkland later <laughs> said, all I really wanted was a family. But in opposition to that stated desire, Kirkland prowled the streets, driving his stepdad's gray van, Ooh. Stay away from the vans. Gray van around Cincinnati looking for women, often soliciting or sharing drugs with sex workers.
1: In January of 2005, Kirkland was accused of raping a neighbor at Knife Point. And this was a neighbor that had actually had him over for dinner at times. Oh, no. Yeah. He spent nine months in jail, but was eventually acquitted of the charges later that year.
2: Well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why he could have been acquitted. Maybe, maybe yeah. she didn't want to testify. Maybe the evidence. Yeah. There's lots you know, of reasons. Yeah. yeah. Um, on May 4th, 2006, Cassania Sheree Crawford was 14, left her grandmother's house. She had been removed from the custody of her biological mother at, at age 10 and was being brought up by her grandmother. Uh, she was last seen wearing oh, SpongeBob SquarePant pajamas, and Cherie was headed to her friend Tanya's house.
1: She was talking to her boyfriend, Rashad, between the time she left home and the time she was supposed to arrive at Tanya's house, but the cell call dropped in the middle of a sentence.
2: According to Kirkland, he bumped into her while walking down the street. He struck up a conversation, and the conversation turned inappropriate when he offered her money for sex. She refused his $20, and his response was to then offer her $60, which she refused again.
1: After the second refusal, Kirkland flew into a rage. He grabbed the young girl, but she fought back by kneeing him. You go, sis. Yeah. He unfortunately overpowered the girl and began choking her until she went limp. He dragged her body to the 1000 block of Blair Avenue in Avondale and set it on fire. Oh, poor baby. Uh, yeah. A
2: week later, on May 11th, the decomposed body was discovered in Avondale, a neighborhood in Cincinnati. It had only it had only one sock on one foot. The body had been burned and the bones had been scattered by animals. Oh, Jesus. Uh, it was Cherie. Detectives looked for the phone that Cherie had on her when she left home, but did not find it. The police supplied minutes to the phone just in case the perpetrator was using it. They might be able to apprehend him if they... If, you know,
1: if they were lucky. If he used it. Yeah, but yeah. they didn't. Because of the state of decay of the body, investigators were unable to determine if she had been raped. But pre-mortem bruising on the legs and foot were noted.
2: So just to point out, so he burned the victims, so they weren't able to tell whether these women were raped or... strangled, or exactly how they were murdered, just that they were just these burned corpses. Um, Kirkland's next victim was Mary Jo Newton, who was 45. According to her father, Gary Rollison. his daughter was uh, withdrawn and rebellious. She married and had two children in a violent and unhealthy relationship with her husband. Substance abuse was a problem. Her husband eventually went to prison for robbery, and Mary Jo entered into a drug treatment program.
1: According to her sister, Barbara, Mary Jo had drug and behavioral issues and was probably bipolar. She fell in with the wrong friends and drugs distorted her thinking, her common sense and her priorities. She had actually been a psychiatric inpatient shortly before she met Kirkland.
2: Well, um, I think that's all unfortunate, but I think it's great that she was like trying trying Trying. yeah you know
1: exactly Um, yeah that's what i think is so sad
2: yeah she she was trying yeah yeah so on June 14th, 2006, Mary Jo Newton and Kirkland struck up a conversation, and she agreed to get into his van with him. Don't get into vans. We should no, put that in there. never into get the, into vans. How how, <laughs> how not, not to, to get, get murdered? murdered.
1: Uh, the, <laughs> don't, get the, the <laughs> don't get in the van.
2: Don't get in the van. The two went to Eden Park. Where, I'm so ridiculous. The two went to Eden Park where Kirkland began to get violent. Mary Jo tried to leave, but Kirkland chased her and dragged her back to the van.
1: Once back inside, he began to choke her. Kirkland claims that Mary Jo said something along the lines of, quote, the way things is, death wouldn't be a bad thing, unquote. But since this is coming only from Kirkland and we can't hear Mary Jo's side of the story, it may or may not be true. And serial killers aren't always reliable narrators. Get out of uh, here. Yeah. Are you serious? (laughs) (laughs) You can't always believe what they say. (laughs) I know. Crazy, right? Kind of like politicians Whoa, yeah, there you go, there you go.
2: <laughs> so um once mary joe was dead kirkland brought the body to avondale and burned it using an accelerant two days later her body would be found near a vacant building and i wonder i mean i know burning flesh smells right
1: yeah so yeah
2: how people wouldn't what have noticed What the hell was going earlier? on around yeah. here? Yeah. Yeah. I thought the same thing. Um,
1: He's like dragging bodies around and burning them and nobody, nobody notices anything. It's so weird.
2: It is extremely weird. Um, the body was burned so badly that the gender of the victim was initially uncertain and cause of death was unable to be established. However, it was determined that Mary Jo had been dead when her body was burned. I don't know. Should we give a thumbs up for that? Or-
1: <laughs> Great. Well, it is it it is better to be burned after you're dead, I guess. You know? Yeah. I guess. I, I would okay. prefer. I would prefer that. Yeah. yeah.
2: Same. Yeah. If I can get it on a Chick-fil-A menu, burn me afterwards. <laughs>
1: Oh, God.
2: (laughs) Sorry, everybody. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) We don't take ourselves very seriously on this show. So, yeah. (laughs) There's probably people who are like, What? I can't listen to this show anymore. (laughs) Look, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. That's
1: fine. (laughs) That's that's fine. (laughs) Uh, We totally understand. Anyway. Yeah, we're not um, for everybody. No. Police officer Howard Grant investigated the homicides of both Cherie Crawford and Mary Jo. Newton. He noted geographic similarities and similarities in modus operandi. Both victims were assaulted, killed, and burned with an accelerant. And he started to believe that a serial killer was at work. Good
2: job. Mm, Way to go. Usually I say cops are messy hoes, but this one is really on it. So Kimya Rollison was 25. She was a mother who was trying to get her life back back on track by, you know, entering rehab. She grew up in Southern California and her mom died when she was 16. So obviously a a, a difficulty. And when she was about 21, she met and married a man and moved with him to his hometown of Cincinnati. I would
1: never like
2: move. <laughs> I don't love you enough to, to move to I'm Cincinnati. Cincinnati. <laughs> I'm so sorry.
1: Yeah, okay. uh, I'd rather stay I, in Southern California. Yeah. yeah, I'll be I'll be okay. Have a good life. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry. she did. She moved to Cincinnati and the couple had two children. Unfortunately, Kimya had developed an addiction to crack. In 2006, she returned to California with her youngest child, a daughter, and stayed with her father and stepmother. She wanted to get clean and reconnect with her son.
2: Oh, uh, welcome to Culture Corner with Wendy and Beth. Um, this is not part of the script, but I did want to say crack decimated communities of color, especially black communities. And when it was first introduced, um, there it have been reports. I've heard stories and interviews that it was introduced by the American government, by the FBI, um, in, into communities of color. Yes, um, th- there was some... There was deals struck, right? Nobody was in the room where it happened, right. uh, but uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want to speak too much because I don't have all the facts in front of me. But essentially, the American government introduced crack cocaine into the black community. Um, as a form, some people might say of genocide. Um, but at first, when crack was introduced to the community, everybody was like, "Whoa, this is so fun!" Yeah, <laughs> and uh, then it wasn't. And um, Kimya, unfortunately, is 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 one of those people in that number who fell victim to um, crack cocaine and its right. Um, Negative effects. Um, So in October of that year, she headed back to Cincinnati and entered a rehabilitation program. Uh, She called home often, but once she got out of rehab, contact with her family stopped.
1: On December 22nd, 2006, according to Kirkland, he struck up a conversation with Kimya until she agreed to get in his van. Don't ever get in the van. (laughs) Don't get in the van. Don't get in the van. (laughs) They went to the Fairview Park where they were pulled over by police and their identities were checked. They were told that the park was closed and they had to leave the area.
2: So Kirkland claimed uh, that he was angry even before picking up Kimya. He said he paid Rollison $40 for sex, but they were mugged when he tried to drop her off at her apartment. The pair ended up in his van parked near the intersection of Central Parkway and Martin Luther King Drive. (laughs) I got to do another culture corner and and hopple street. So (laughs) every black neighborhood has a Martin Luther King drive on it. And I've heard some white podcasters say, Martin Luther King would turn over in his grave if he saw <laughs> what was happening on Martin Luther King drives <laughs> around the country. And I just gotta say, Martin Luther King drives right up the street from my house. Oh my god! And, um, <laughs> I think my kid's old school was on Martin Luther King Drive. Like, yeah, but. It, i think maybe in time all these areas will turn around and due to gentrification be yeah. nice be nicer but for now this is what we've got in the hood and and a, a black person's name on a street because most of the other streets in phoenix all have white trash ass president's oh, names, president's on them. names yeah, yeah in downtown so, yeah so maybe martin luther king oh. drive could oh what
1: Van Buren is it has a pretty bad reputation, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, for those of y'all that don't know, uh, Van Buren is where uh, a lot of um sex workers and um drug um sales take place on. In, yeah. in, in the Phoenix area, and so yeah. Um, so if you want any please. of that go down to Vampire <laughs> <laughs> Press so if you yeah but if you want some grape soda or um some <laughs> hot cheetos <laughs> come to Martin Luther King Drive OK, Amen.
1: <laughs> next. Sorry. <laughs> so it was at this location that Kirkland said that they got into an argument. He thought that she was in on the mugging. She produced a knife. He got it from her and then used it to stab her in the throat. <gasps> yeah Santa Maria. later he took her body to the dead end of a street in north fairmont dumped it in a wooded area and set it on fire he came back a few weeks later and all that was left were skeletal remains
2: so i'm so i'm a guess i'm guessing in cincinnati there's a, a lot of woods and uh maybe coyotes like uh, animals and, yeah uh, i'm sure uh, there were
1: animals yeah okay i guess all right uh, you, uh would you no wanna no, no. Talk- let us know would listeners? you want
2: to would you want to talk to kirkland
1: uh i, I don't want to talk to anybody <laughs> <laughs> but i'll sit in the background while you talk <laughs> 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 okay, because <laughs> I have so many questions. You
2: have questions. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so uh, it would take months before Kimia's body was discovered. A dog found the femur, which led to the body. The body was eventually identified as Kimia. Uh, there was evidence of sharp force injury to her neck and extensive burning. It was concluded that the neck wound was the ultimate cause of death, but Kimia's murder was not connected to the other two previous ones.
1: On March 15th, 2007, Kirkland was brought in and questioned by a detective Witherill, on both the Crawford and Newton homicides. Kirkland lived on Ridgeway Avenue halfway between the addresses of the two crime scenes. And he had the previous conviction of uh, Leola Douglas and uh, she had been burned. So they were suspicious. Right. He denied knowing Crawford when he was shown her picture.
2: He did admit that he frequented the path connecting the end of Blair Avenue to Victory Parkway, which was near the scene of the crime. But he denied having any involvement with the Newton homicide. And at that time, police had no forensic evidence linking him to either of those crimes.
1: On May 14th, two thousand. Kirkland got into a fight with his girlfriend, Roberta, and threatened to kill his 18-month-old son during a SWAT standoff. And I read that he held something to the child's throat. Yeah, I heard that too. He was convicted three months later of two counts of unlawful restraint and sentenced to 115 days in jail. Which seems like not very much
2: for somebody who has his criminal past, And and endangered the child, yeah, Yeah. a baby in that way. Um, The justice system is so baffling to me. So weird. So yeah. yeah. So soon after his release on September seventeenth, two thousand seven, the Reverend Walter Bledsoe sought and was granted a restraining order against Kirkland on behalf of members of the Bledsoe family. Court records do not say why he sought the order. But I have some guesses. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Less than two weeks after the order of protection on September 26, 2007, Kirkland was arrested again. Kirkland was staying at the home of a woman with two daughters. One of her daughters, 16-year-old Kyla, was in her bedroom when Kirkland came into her room with his pants down and his genitals exposed.
2: Oh, boy. Uh, Kyla repeatedly told him to get the fuck out out of her room, which he eventually did. And five or ten minutes later, Kirkland returned again. He was still exposing himself. This time, he was carrying a piece of paper and he approached Kyla and gave her a note that said, I want to be the first one to eat you out and I'll pay you. And he offered her $5. Fuck you, my pussy is way worth way more than that. Also... I'm a minor. Also, you're my mother's boyfriend. Get the fuck out Locking of here. Out.
1: Yeah, yeah. She walked outside in the rain to get away from him. Eventually, her mother found her and Kyla told her what happened. Her mother told Kirkland to get out of the apartment and mother and daughter went to the local police station to report the incident. Kirkland was convicted of importuning, which is the action of approaching someone and requesting or offering sexual services, which seems like a weird thing to get him on but whatever and he was sentenced to a year in prison he was also ordered to register as a sex offender
2: i gotta say though uh silver lining shout out to that mother for being like you know what i gotta pursue this for my daughter to protect her and, to believe um, her uh, and to believe take her, care yeah. of her, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not easy to do, and not all parents do it. Yeah, uh, hence the show Intervention. Um, anyway, on October twentieth, two thousand eight, he was released from prison and ordered to spend five years on parole. He entered the Pogue Rehabilitation Center, which was a halfway house or like a group home, on February twenty seventh, two thousand nine, and at eleven thirty p.m. on that date, police were called to the halfway home in response to a fight that had broken out between Kirkland and another resident.
1: Kirkland was not arrested because the resident would not press charges, but Kirkland was evicted from the home. Since he was on parole, his parole officer should have been notified immediately, but he was not, uh, apparently because it happened over a weekend.
2: Mm-mm, mm-mm-mm. On March 1st, 2009, Kirkland was accused of breaking into a home, hiding in the bathroom, and attacking a man by the name of Frederick Hughes with scissors. Oh boy, why? Hughes yeah. suffered at least 10 stab mo- stab wounds, but he survived, and Kirkland fled the scene. Just He's just on a, on
1: a tear, this guy.
2: Yeah, a tirade, yeah, he's just uh, yeah. seeing
1: red, I don't know. Going nuts, yeah. A warrant was issued for his arrest on charges of aggravated burglary and felonious assault. The next day, March 2nd, his parole officer finally became aware that Kirkland was unaccounted for and actively started searching for him. Days had gone by since Kirkland had checked in with law
2: enforcement. By law, Kirkland had to let authorities know his residency, and he had not since he was removed from that halfway home. So on March 4th, another warrant was issued for his arrest.
1: On March 5th, Kirkland was seen by his child's mother Roberta Baldwin, and she reported that he had threatened her with a knife. Yet another warrant was filed against him on charges of domestic violence, aggravated menacing, and violation of a protection order. So that's what, 3 3 warrants that are out for his arrest. A lot of
2: warrants. A lot yeah. of warrants, yeah. It's, it's a lot of warrants. So on March yeah. 7th, 2009, Esme Kenny 13 years old, went jogging around the Winston Hills Reservoir, which was directly across the street from her house. Esme's mother, Lisa, was busy cleaning and did not join her daughter, as she usually did on the runs. Uh, This was the first time Esme had gone unaccompanied, and she was expected to be
1: back home shortly. When Esme did not return home when expected, her mother, Lisa Kinney, had a terrible feeling that something was very wrong. Mm -hmm. She ran across the street and at a corner location, she found a pair of men's pants. She also found a case of beer with seven unopened bottles. She ran home and called her husband saying, Esme is missing.
2: Lisa Kinney returned to the reservoir location after calling 911. She entered the woods thick with honeysuckle and grapevine. I don't know what those are, but plants, plants, Uh, she she unknowingly got within 10 yards of where her daughter's body was found. She found an open door on a foreclosure house and went
1: inside. Her husband arrived with one of their dogs. They searched around until the police came. Other neighbors came over, but the parents and everyone else were told to go home so they would not compromise the investigation.
2: So speaking of investigation, now we are going to dive into the investigation and the arrest. All right. Well, uh, police officer Jennifer Ernst responded after getting a report of a missing child. Ironically, she lived on the same street as Esme Kenny's family. She and her partner went to the area, taking a maintenance road, and they discovered Kirkland sleeping under a tree. He said he was homeless.
1: (laughs) Come on. Two steak knives were sticking out of his pockets with the blades up. Seems like a (gasps) good plan. (laughs) Yeah, okay. In the right front pants pocket, they found a watch and an iPod. A lighter was also recovered. Kirkland stated that he had found the property, pointing away from where the body was ultimately found.
2: Kirkland said his name was Anthony Palmore. (laughs) The birth date and social security number produced no hits Surprise! The officers cuffed Kirkland, not telling him what they were looking for, uh, which was Esme. And Kirkland was Mirandized, you know, that's the, you have the right to remain silent, blah, 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 as he sat in the back of a police car. 20 minutes later, Kirkland gave the officer his
1: real name. Sometime after 11 p.m., Lisa Kenney positively identified the iPod and the watch recovered from Kirkland as Esme's. Esme's name was on the iPod.
2: A helicopter scanned the area with a system that picks up body heat. And the area was searched using dogs. At 3.30 a.m., while Esme's parents were watching the news during the sleepless night, of course, it was reported that her body had been found. And at 5.30 a.m., an assistant police chief came to the door with a chaplain confirming that Esme's body had been found.
1: What a terrible way to, to find out. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. you're Yeah. You're right. I can't imagine. I can't yeah. imagine. Esme had been found hidden beneath some trees where the branches bent down and formed a natural canopy. She'd been raped, strangled to death, and burned. Kirkland did not use accelerant. This time he used Esme's clothes, which he had piled up on top of her and then set on fire. So her body was not as badly burned as some of his other victims. A secondary crime scene led to the discovery of shoe prints, which were later matched to Kirkland's shoes.
2: On March 8th, 2009, Detective Witherell, with Witherell, Witherell?
1: <laughs> I don't <laughs> know <laughs> if I'm
2: saying that right. And I don't care. Came in on his day off to interview Kirkland about the Kenny, Kenny homicide. He was contacted since he had interviewed Kirkland about the Crawford and Newton homicides in 2007. A search warrant got Kirkland's clothing sent to the crime lab for analysis. Buckle, Bugle, is it Buckle or Bugle? Buckle. Uh, I don't know. Buckle. It means mouth and genital swabs were taken (laughs) as well as uh, nail and hair samples.
1: Kirkland was categorized as bright, controlling, and as having a preference for male interviewers. Detective Witherell used the fact that they were both fathers as a bridge to get Kirkland to open up. He did not tell Kirkland that Esme's body had been found, fearing that he would refuse further interrogation. The tactic worked and Kirkland spoke to him for over four hours.
2: Kirkland was asked where he had been the previous day. He said that he went to Daly Park on his way to his mom's house in finneytown previously having been kicked out of a volunteers of america halfway house um i shouldn't do this but did you know volunteers of america has a theme song (laughs) no (laughs) i did not know that so we used to do volunteers of america in my family and it's like goodwill but they come and pick your stuff up like on your front porch and they have (laughs) their theme song goes like this <clears throat> volunteers of america volunteers of america volunteers of america
1: anyway that's, that's genius <laughs> it's, it's so it's, creative I
2: just, me and my brothers always thought it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm sorry so so Okay, so he he was so he was kicked out of the Volunteers of America halfway house, and he admitted to seeing Esme at the reservoir, saying at the time that he was with some other dude named Pedro. Oh, Jesus, Pedro
1: doesn't exist. <laughs> it's
2: getting really crazy. Okay, sorry,
1: he said he found twelve Budweiser beers, a partial case, and then drank some. Pedro then supposedly left to find something to eat. He said that he found a watch and a pink radio at the end of the reservoir and recalled that the watch said 3.08 p.m. He then said that he went to McDonald's and BP meeting up again with Pedro. Okay, quote unquote, Pedro.
2: Uh, (laughs) So uh, Kirkland said that he found some leftover chicken on the ground in the Daly Park and ate it. He said he took a bike and went past his parents' house, but no lights were on. So he returned to the reservoir and was sitting, resting under a tree in the dark when he was found by the officers.
1: He claimed that he gave a false name and social security number because he thought that he had an outstanding warrant for a parole violation, which he did, (laughs) (laughs) and that he always wanted to be in his son's life. And I guess he said that, like, because he didn't want to get arrested. I don't know. But that's what the article said.
2: (laughs) Okay. Kirkland said that
1: on that day he observed nothing unusual happening.
2: Hmm. Well, thank you, uh, upstanding citizen, Kirkland. <laughs> uh, Kirkland was confronted with the fact that at three o eight p.m. Esme Kenny was still at home, so he was inaccurate when citing the time. Kirkland began crying and continued to deny that he
1: knew where the child was. Eventually, he admitted that he met up with the victim after he left Pedro. He said what happened was an accident, the fault of his temper, his sense of hopelessness and helplessness and lack of power. He said he saw the girl running. She ran into him and caused him to drop his bottle of beer
2: god uh so she offered him uh the watch to make amends he said he saw not the girl but instead his son's mother and he lost it quote unquote he punched her and knocked her out kicked her and punched her in the stomach wow just for dropping
1: a beer when asked if he stomped her he said "Mm, not really kirkland said she should still be alive police told kirkland that she was located and that she was dead Kirkland then said that she ran and he had chased her. He punched her several times in the head. She fell and he hit her again. He said that her clothes were intact. He doesn't want them to know that uh, he raped her.
2: Right. So he's trying to dance around it. He claimed that he left her on the trail with Pedro and that he was unsure what condition she was in. Finally, he admitted that he knew she was dead when he left and that she died because of his hatred.
1: When the first interview concluded, Kirkland was still maintaining that he was with Pedro, that the girl was on the trail when he left, and that Pedro must have moved her. Kirkland said he was a poor stress manager, lashing out when it was overwhelming. He blamed Esme's murder on anger and Vicodin.
2: (laughs) Vicodin doesn't make anybody angry. (laughs) What are you talking about? Uh, Detective (laughs) Detective Witherell's partner, Detective Hilbert, then took over the interview. Hilbert talked to Kirkland primarily about the homicides of Crawford and Newton. Hilbert told Kirkland that he needed to, quote unquote, come clean for little
1: Anthony, his son. Kirkland eventually admitted to the murders. He claimed that he burned his victims since fire purifies, like the way the Vikings used it to purify. Kirkland cried after his admission. He said he felt things were helpless and out of control. About killing, Kirkland said, quote, it's like a coping mechanism in me, unquote.
2: Very interesting. Um, well, you know, sometimes, sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get through. But most of us don't kill people to do it yeah we don't uh, resort to killing yeah uh he admitted to killing and burning the body of another victim that police had not connected which was that of kimia rollison he said he stabbed her in the neck while they were in his van and later that he dumped the body and burned it so now we're going to dive into the trial uh obviously anthony has been caught and yes now it's time to face the justice system
1: Anthony Kirkland was indicted on March seventeenth, two thousand and nine, and he was held on a bond of over five million dollars. He was on suicide watch at the Hamilton County Jail until February seventeenth, two thousand and ten, when he was transferred to administrative segregation.
2: Um, I gotta because we have you know, uh, Epstein suicide. Oh right, quota, right, well, and I just wonder these prisons don't want any liability they don't want lawsuits right so they put people on quote-unquote suicide watch to cover their asses um but i don't know i mean is it really necessary for a guy like kirkland who admitted it or you know what i mean i don't know yeah don't know Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any answers. Uh, If you're looking (laughs) for answers to these questions, questions, go go to a different podcast. So uh, Kirkland (laughs) was considered a danger in the courtroom and extra security was added for his trial. He threatened to kill himself or commit some act that could force police to kill him. The judge in the trial ordered Kirkland to wear an electronic stun belt. Whoa, I didn't know that was a thing in court that could be activated by sheriff's deputies.
1: Yeah. Wow. Wow. Deputies also removed a glass pane covering a table used by attorneys out of concern that Kirkland could break off some of it and stab someone. Oh. For the same reason, Kirkland was not allowed to have a pen or pencil during trial. Instead, he was given a small box of crayons for writing.
2: Wow. Okay. Uh, whew. Man, extra precautions indeed. In March of 2010, Kirkland was found guilty of all four murders. During the sentencing phase, no mitigating factors were found and Kirkland's family was reluctant to appear on his behalf. I guess I can understand it. Yeah. Um, Kirkland read a statement and asked the juries, or the jurors to spare his life.
1: But Kirkland was sentenced to death. He sat emotionless while the sentencing was read. When asked if he had anything to say, Kirkland only wished to, quote, apologize to the families, unquote.
2: And uh, shout out to the guys at um, True Crime all, the, all time. the time. Yeah. They played audio of his statement. And yeah. I let you know my thoughts on that later. But uh, he later petitioned for leniency and tried to have his death sentence overturned. But after a resentencing hearing, a judge upheld Kirkland's death sentence. In a letter to the judge, Esme's family said, I believe that Anthony Kirkland should be put to death because he is an evil, remorseless, sadistic murderer. No living person is safe essentially, while he's alive. So now we're going to get into where are they now? Tell us, Beth.
1: Anthony Kirkland is currently housed at the Chillicothe Correctional Institution in Ohio.
2: After Kirkland was arrested for Esme's murder, Leola Douglas's twin brother, Stuart Stanton, was quoted as saying, the judicial system just failed. Stanton says the prison system should never have released Kirkland after serving time for Leola's murder um, I'm gonna say I cannot disagree Can't disagree,
1: no, no
2: <laughs> So now we're gonna get into our takeaways And what we think made Kirkland snap So what do you got, Beth?
1: Well, during the trial, uh, Dr. Wu testified that he thought that Kirkland did not have the ability to control his impulses because of a combination of his traumatic brain injuries, his history of childhood emotional neglect, and his history of severe childhood physical abuse. And that, quote, he cannot control his impulses in an uncontrolled, unmanaged environment, unquote. And (laughs) that may be true. Uh, but it also seemed to me like this guy had very few social skills. He was yeah. always just up on women asking them for sex. No <laughs> preamble whatsoever. No flirting, nothing. Just, hey, here's 20 bucks. How about some sex? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no. It reminds me of Weinstein. Like, dudes, re- these there are dudes who really think that if you just whip your dick out in front of a then female, that a she's going to be like,
1: going to have sex, super with you. juicy, yeah. wet, or, and like want to ride you. Yeah, just get get out give out them here. money. Just give a woman money and she'll have sex with you. Yeah, no. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know no. if it's a result of brain injury or just not being taught social skills or both or what, but he uh-huh. seems like he did not function. Very well, he, you know, society was not for him. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> he was also doing drugs and brain injuries. Plus, drugs is not a winning combination.
2: <laughs> it's not. You no, mean I don't get the
1: jackpot? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, the prosecutors at his trial uh, said that they thought he burned bodies to get rid of the evidence, and I think that might be true. Um, He did get a pretty light sentence for Leola Douglas's murder, and we talked about that a little bit. I wonder Mm -hmm. if uh, he got such a light sentence because they had little evidence, and then he was like, hmm, yeah, burning bodies, that's the thing. So he would, yeah, so then he would burn (laughs) the bodies.
0: From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts.
1: And uh, the way that he talked about his anger reminded me of Delmas Colvin, uh, what he said during our interview with him, like it was kind of a blind rage that he would get into. Mm. And then one more thing I wanted to mention um, is that I know Esme was a child and she was the last victim. Uh, they found Kirkland as a direct result of her murder, and it's really sad. I don't want to take away from that. But it's also not lost on me that she was actually the only white victim. All the other victims were Black. And oh. looking at the articles, uh, she, she got the most attention. So, Ain't
2: that something. Yeah. Um, well, I don't need to rehash the whole first five minutes of our show, but you know yeah. what it is. You guys but, get it, um, yeah. Yeah, you get it. But... um. I Thanks. Thank you, Beth, for all of your hot takes. Uh, I appreciate every single one. Um, (laughs) I personally was uh, struck by uh, his statement at trial. And again, I said, um, I listened. Part of my preparation for this show and my research was um, finding other podcasts about it to to just sort of because I never heard the story before. And the guys at the um, True Crime All the Time um, covered it. And I think they did a
1: they did a pretty job. good job did, yeah but they, they never they never they mentioned don't... his race they never mentioned the race of the mm. victims ever right, yeah and, and right. you know what I, I wonder sometimes if uh the white people who cover these cases don't want to mention their race because they think they might come off as racist it's possible
2: i think i i think that you are absolutely right we've talked about this on other shows um but Uh, I think sometimes there's a reluctance of white people who are, you know, afraid to say the wrong things. And that's why we say Froot Loops is a safe space. Um, I might not say the right things. Beth might not say the right things, but we're saying something. This is something that is just part of the society that we live in. And we have to talk about it if we're going to try to fix it and amend um, all these wrongdoings uh, throughout, you know, history and moving forward.
1: I do think that sometimes white people don't want to say anything because they don't mm-hmm. want to come up, come off as racist. E- even saying the race of the perpetrator or the victim, they don't want to mention it because they're yeah. they're afraid. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, don't be afraid, guys. Hey. Hey, my brother's over there at, uh, true crime (laughs) crime all the time. time. It's okay to talk about it. You might fuck it up. No big deal. Just, just, you know, if you, if you run into problems, just call us over here at fruit. Yeah. We will will guide you through it. Um, but (laughs) I was, but they, anyway, they played an audio of Kirkland speaking at trial. You know, how the, um, the perp gets to do like a statement. Right. And, You know, he said he was sorry. He said that he just wanted it all to stop. And he talked about how he's been told his entire life since he was little that he was bad. He talked about how his mom hated him. Um, And in the great words of the rapper Eminem, I am whatever you say I am. Um, And I think that that is uh, applicable here. Um, Yeah. People told him he was bad. So he was like, fuck it, I'm just going to be bad. Right. Also, self hate is a thing in communities of color. It's this idea the world already hates me. So I might as well just hate myself.
1: No. <laughs> uh, it totally that makes suck. me sad.
2: <laughs> yeah, me too. Um... Well, I don't hate
1: you. <laughs> I love you.
2: Oh, I love you too. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I think um, he just sort of, I, I, my view is that he just sort of bought into the idea that people thought that he, was bad. he was bad. He just he yeah. just
1: ran he just ran, ran with it. it. Like, yeah. fuck
2: it, they already think I'm bad.
1: Yeah. And then with all the brain injuries and stuff like that, um, he he just did not have any skills. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. Skills. He he yeah. he missed
2: he missed he missed out. I, I, I mean, if
1: a, a good thing yeah, yeah. I <laughs> something, mean, if a good, something was missing
2: <laughs> a good teacher or a good yeah a good um mentor. older role model yeah somebody had saw that boy and snatched him up and been like look young blood this is this is the way but nobody nobody really did that for him yeah. so yeah um i i do feel bad for the child that was was anthony anthony kirkland but um he did do some really terrible really, things so really now bad stuff. yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> we're gonna get into how not to get murdered. So if you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. This is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's experiences. Sometimes we have no suggestions for a particular episode and we'll just offer a up generic tips.
2: So today's one of those days where we're offering up generic tips because this story has everything, everything. addiction, <laughs> <laughs> sex work breaking and entering, abuse, mental health, abduction while minding your own goddamn business while jogging. Uh, And we've said it before, we'll say it again. I think the best tip is just keep your head on a swivel. Be aware of your surroundings. Get off your phone um, or put it on speaker. Like if you're on a jog or something, don't use headphones, just put it on speaker so that you can also be aware of your surroundings. Keep your phone handy so that you can call for help. Don't be afraid to be rude or cause a scene. Your safety is important. Your life is Mm -hmm. important. Trust your gut ultimately is, I think, uh, the winner, winner, chicken dinner tip. Um, Do you have anything to add, Beth?
1: Don't get in the van.
2: (laughs) Don't get in the van. So now we're going to get into some serial killer true crime news. Extra, extra, read all about it.
1: (laughs) What do you got, Beth? (laughs) So this one is an update or a slash correction. Uh, last week, we reported about a guy named Jason Rogers Pope, also known as DJ Kidd. Well, one of our listeners, Brandon, contacted us and said that most of what has been reported is actually just rumor. He said, quote, I live where he's from. That 700 women thing is based off of him taking pictures with women. He was arrested for sexual misconduct with a minor. The AIDS thing was rumor. Also, the entire thing started ironically locally when R. Kelly finally got arrested. People were making posts defending R. Kelly saying, y'all worried about R. Kelly, but DJ Kid around here having sex with minors. And it snowballed from there. Um, And he said he just doesn't want these false reports to be the reason why he gets off. So we stand corrected. Uh, The stuff that we talked about was mainly rumor um but he was arrested for sexual misconduct with a minor so he he's not innocent but or uh, you know i can't say that uh innocent until proven guilty but yeah yeah, (laughs) allegedly (laughs) (laughs) he was arrested so yeah there's that yeah
2: yeah so we apologize for that and i and i i am really grateful to um brandon for um, calling us out because yeah you know, we want to we want to get it right like we have and we, we have do, fun talking yeah. about crime but we we don't want to just be out here giving wrong facts yeah. you know what I mean like and it, and it like actually like was, was in
1: Judy <laughs> President Tudied and it That's was actually in <laughs> it was actually in some articles but uh it was allegations and rumors so it wasn't like we just pulled it out of thin air but uh yeah it was just rumors and allegations so there you go yes
2: so we stand corrected and um i, I other i know other podcasts do like um share corrections and and i i welcome it like, yes. so if we have to have yeah. a correction corner, welcome to a correction corner.
1: with yeah. Wendy. <laughs> yeah. Let's do, give us, Let's
2: do it. Yeah. We don't give it us right on the island, yeah. yeah. Uh, so now we're going to get into the shout out portion of our show where we shout out any content by people of color or about people of color or any true crime goodies. So um, do you mind if I go first? Because nope, I am go. so into this. Okay, okay. So this, this is a podcast. It's called Chasing Cosby. Yeah. The Bill Cosby. yeah, And it is so fucking good. Have you
1: heard it? I have. I've been listening to it. Yeah.
2: Oh, my God. Why haven't you told me about this? Uh, it, is, <laughs> it is. I, just, I guess I assumed it. you knew. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know. I just found it today. It is so good. Well-researched. They blend Cosby's comedy and the voices of his victims. And it, it's kind of bittersweet, actually, hearing the journalists for years who've been trying to break this fucking story and nobody is paying attention. Yeah. Mixed with the firsthand accounts by the victims, which are extremely graphic, disturbing, and heartbreaking juxtaposed with the clips of cosby telling us who he was since the beginning of his career plus yeah. the race thing is not lost upon these storytellers right because that is an aspect of the story that is important chasing cosby please go listen it is amazing yeah it's really good uh, yeah who- Beth, I'm very upset that you didn't tell me. I'm
1: sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I forgive you. Next time I'll tell you. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) What do you got? So I wanted to shout out uh, True Crime Goodie. It's uh, Falling for a Killer on Amazon Prime. Uh, bear with me. It's a documentary about the victims of Ted Bundy. And I know everybody's sick of Ted Bundy, but this one's different. It's really different. It's about, well, it's a documentary and they interview his girlfriend at the time and her daughter, uh, who's all grown up now. She's like my age and other women who survived him and Mm -hmm. uh, they tie in the women's movement uh, they talk about history. The focus oh. is totally on the victims and uh, they 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 do uh, talk a little bit about Ted Bundy, but it's mostly about the victims and it's excellent. So oh I, I really recommend it. I, I watched it over the span of a few days and uh, I felt like I could go back and watch it again right after I finished it. <sighs>
0: Wow. That good. Yeah. Oh
2: my God. My mouth is, my mouth is watering. <laughs> <I'm> so <excited>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so uh, thank you, Beth. That is You're fucking welcome. fire. Where can the people find us?
1: our website is fruitloopspod.com our Facebook page is Fruit Loops Pod and our discussion group is Fruit Loops Pod Discussion on Facebook we are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod and links to our sources will be in our footnotes if you want to support the show you can send us a donation on the Cash App just google Fruit Loops Pod Cash App or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page this will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting there's no minimum and no commitment even a dollar would help we also have merch on our website now at fruitloopspod.com forward slash merch
2: that's right and this is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every thursday so until next time look alive guys it's crazy out there